Our thanks to Bill Curry Ford for presenting the Scuttlebucks right here at JoeBucksFan.com. Make no payments on new vehicles until the summer of 2021 at Bill Curry Ford. It's all part of their holiday sales event. BillCurryFord.com. Start shopping there right now. Incredible offers. And, of course, you get the personal service from General Manager Sean Sullivan, who will answer your questions any way he can, including in person at their dealership one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Bill Curry Ford. BillCurryFord.com. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN. Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. And away we go. Welcome in, Scuttlebucks. Good to be with you. I'm Jeff. Tom's over there. We're about to talk about the Bucks. That's a good thing. Pretty damn important game on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, beginning to feel better about themselves, a victory in overtime. Let's hope that they're a bit uh, worn out, beleaguered, played almost a full extra quarter uh, as they got that win very, very late. By the way, that was also a cluster at the end of that game. There was some poor coaching going on in Minnesota. Yes, yes, there was. <laughs> and that's been that's been a theme for them yeah. just because the fiancé's team is Minnesota. I tend to focus on them when red zone flips over to sure, the Vikings game sure. a little bit more. Uh, they're feeling good about themselves because they're 5-1 in their last six. But if you look at their last eight games, the opponents and the results, it's the Seahawks a narrow loss. They got blown out by the Falcons. They did beat the Packers, which was an eye-opener. That was the Dalvin Cook game where he mm-hmm. went for 200 mm-hmm. all-purpose yards at Lambeau. Then they beat the Lions. They barely beat the Bears. They lost to the Cowboys. Then they have to rally to beat the Panthers, who were beleaguered by injuries. And then you have the Jags game left. Yeah, no, they, they don't have any signature wins that other than the Packers one that you go, oh, wow, that's eye-opening. But they do have talent. You know, we see this every week, Jefferson and Thielen and Cook. And listen, on his best days, Cousins is pretty good. So, they, 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 yeah, he can be really good, in fact. So they, they've got talent there. Yeah, he's second in the league, Kirk Cousins is, in yards per attempt. Uh, oh, he'll challenge you down the field. Yes, he will. And that's more than Mahomes, more than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, only Deshaun Watson is better in that category. Cousins is uh, top 10 in touchdowns, quarterback rating. I mean, you name it. He's actually had a, a decent year. He's just been hit a lot in the backfield, and he will make that boneheaded mistake out of nowhere. I always say about Cousins, he keeps both teams in the game. Um, he's a guy that can win you a game. Very few quarterbacks in the league can win you a game. Go win it. He can. He can. That's a hell of a compliment. He can lose you a game, and he does that too frequently to remain amongst the elite status. That's his biggest problem. But it's just enough, given the way this secondary is played. Oh, I sure. know Jamel Dean got cleared for concussion protocol, but now he's got a hamstring injury. We'll see if he's available this weekend. But given what the secondary has looked like for the Bucks the last month, month and a half, yeah, there's enough in the tank in, uh, in Cousins' arm and with that offense to really scare you. I want to believe that some of what we saw, not all, but some of what we we saw in the second half against the Chief, Chiefs, plural, uh, is going to resonate and continue to uh, you know, improve upon, if you will, or get better. Uh, because Mike Evans did some things in the second half of that game that really, really 
buoyed, I think, Bucks fans everywhere because he's largely just been a red zone guy. Well, and that's where if you're really banking on the offense to turn around, it would be a moment. You want to be a fly on the wall for the moment where Brady says, all right, enough BSing. We've tried all this other stuff. Let's do what we do and, and move forward. That's the moment that the Bucks fans are all banking on to have that switch flipped just in time for the playoffs or maybe even the stretch run because the offense can be lethal. They could do it right now if they want to parse down the playbook and play a little bit more simply under center, two tights, and then you rotate Antonio Brown in when you can rather than force feed him. But they might be playing the long game, and that's the frustrating thing is you might be wearing losses along the way, and it might blow up in their face. That's the drama with the Bucks in the final month of this year. A theme of this edition of the Scuttlebucks speaks to that, which is the interest in the first quarter that we'll all have as Bucks fans. Uh, the Vikings have gotten off to slow starts. The Bucks have been, oh, arduous to say the least to watch on offense. It's been brutal. Which of those two teams start out playing well early in the game to garner some confidence and move forward feeling like they've got a rhythm. Uh, I, I certainly hope it's the Bucks coming off the bye week. You know, you had time to rectify the situation. You had time to heal up, both physically and mentally. And I think that's key. Yeah, the quarter, I mean, I would look at the whole quarter because there might be a little bit of rust on the first drive. Uh, you know, nobody wants to hear that coming out of a bye, but that could happen. But if you're at the end of the first quarter, and again, it's a three or a zero burger um, for the Bucks, and they look disjointed and, mm. you know, maybe it was a short field that yielded the, the score and it wasn't going down the field 75 yards. We just want them all to look like they are on the same page. And we want it to look like that they prepared and they practiced during the week. Because the crazy thing about first halves in general, this stretch in the season for the Bucks, is it looks like they didn't prepare for the game. And then once they get to halftime, they've figured stuff out, and then they get your hopes back up by the time the game's over, whether it's a win or a loss. And you say, oh, well, it looks like they can adjust, but they weren't ready to go when the ball kicked off. Let, let's see if they can get that fixed. Schedule sets up exceptionally well if you can get this win, really beginning with this game. You ought to win this game if you win this game after that, you're talking about the Falcons and the Lions and the Falcons again. Imminently winnable games, all games in which the Bucks will be heavy favorites in. The Bucks surely should end the season on a nice run. The question is, is that run 3-1 and one or 4-0? and oh? If it's 4-0, and oh, you finish the year 11-5, and five, it's a pretty nice campaign. Your losses are to good teams except the Bears. One point, inexplicable Thursday night loss. Other than that, they're acceptable losses. You would be okay. And chances are you draw the East Division champion at that point. Um, they don't control their own fate about finishing 11-5 and five and being the five seed, the Bucks. but you would think if they go 4-0, either the Seahawks or the Rams are going to lose two games in the last four in order to put the Bucks in position to face either the Giants or Washington. You know, i got to be honest with you. We're going to continue to monitor that situation closely. I'm not liking the inspired football I'm seeing from both Washington and the Giants right now. They are playing hard. They are playing together. They are playing well. They are executing. I don't know. Just ask the Steelers what that was. And we watch the Giants now, 5-2 and two in their last seven. Somebody in the East, by the way, Tom, statistically speaking, looking at the percentages, it's going to finish 500 or above. We thought the whole division would finish below 500. You may be playing a team that's playing really well from the East by the time you get to the plus. Hey, listen, does it beat the alternative? Yes, in all likelihood yeah. it does. Am I saying we would lose that game? No, but it's no longer the advantageous matchup that we thought it was or doesn't look like it's going to be. It wouldn't be a drastic advantage. I agree, uh, especially if you have to go to, say, East Rutherford, right, and play in the Meadowlands and it's 35 and windy. Yeah. 
Um, but the thing, I, I'd rather have the Giants than Washington at this point because uh, their quarterback situation is in flux. Daniel Jones' health will still be in question, I think, towards the end of the month, and Colt McCoy's not throwing for three bills right now in relief. Oh, no. Whereas I'd be all right with that, yeah. Well, one-legged Alex Smith Old is throwing for three bills. one-legged had his biggest game in several years, and that was the feel-good story of the year. That's a problem. That's a problem. That team with Logan Thomas and oh, yeah. if Antonio Gibson's turf toe heals up by the time they won the division, again, this is assuming that would be your opponent, and McLaurin down the field. Yeah, yeah, and that pass rush with Chase Young, that defensive line's for real. I, the Giants would be the preferable <laughs> NFC East champion. Even though the last two times we played the Giants... It's been tough. No bueno. Well, I mean, we got the win, barely, and then the one before it, we made Daniel Jones look like Peyton Manning. That's I mean, correct. Yes. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones feels very comfortable against very the Bucks rush. But yeah, that was the Jaden Mickens game on offense. Mm. The Bucks need to do less Jaden Mickens, Antonio Brown, and Can't more do whatever Mickens they were doing. anymore. He's been told to have a good day. <laughs> that's right. It's Kenyon Barner's <laughs> that's, team. That's... <laughs> we'll have a Kenyon Barner game before we get back to the basics. Oh, my goodness. Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFed.com, is set to join us here in just a moment before he does. Just another reminder, our friend Sean Sullivan, Bill Curry Ford, they're doing the right thing by you. Go see him today. They'll help you seven days a week. They're just one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Ask for your Scuttlebucks Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean Sullivan's there to help you out. That's the family service you can expect from Bill Curry Ford. They've been doing this for over 60 years. Get shopping today at BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. And there it is. Little Van Halen riff. Means we bring in our friend Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website. The Bucks coming off a couple three point losses in the need, uh, feeling the need to get in the win column, I should say. Vikings are game. Vikings are game. Find themselves back in a playoff picture and saying, why not us? Hello, Lee. How the hell are you, brother? Yeah, how's it going, man? Cool. Big game Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Tell everybody how big, Lee. Tell everybody how big this game is. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not big it is. The biggest game in years. In fact, the last time the Bucks had such an important game at Raymond James Stadium, which I not so affectionately refer to as the den of depression, the Bucks tanked against the Saints, so they were able to draft Jameis. That's how big of a game this is. They even tried to win the damn game, though, with those yeah. uh, substandard players. I remember wringing my hands. In fact, I was uh, texting and calling my uh, esteemed colleague here, Tom Lang, um, thinking, what What the hell are we doing? What? What is going on here? I was irate. Luckily, uh, alas, Drew Brees was able to summon the Hall of Fame career ability and uh, go out there and put together that final drive <laughs> so that we could go get James Winston. I was pleased, yes. <laughs> Thank goodness for Drew. Yeah, Thank goodness for Drew Brees. Yeah, we well, uh, yeah. This 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 game Sunday, Jeff. Uh, you know, there's there's a little, uh, shall we say, disagreement at JoeBucksFan.com headquarters. 
my esteemed business partner, Steve Isbitz, and I are on totally different uh, sides of the room throwing empty cans of Big Storm beer and empty pizza boxes at each other that uh, Steve thinks the, the Vikings are a bloated, they have a bloated record, they have virtually no talent. They, you know, The fact that they had to struggle against the Jags suggests that they should be drafting in the top ten. And I'm like, whoa, 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 this is a bad matchup. Sure, Dalvin Cook may, uh, the Bucks may be able to possess enough defense to stop Dalvin Cook, but the Vikings have enough receivers. They've got just enough defensive players, especially a linebacker. Uh, they also have a quarterback. You, you like that? Uh, which I witnessed my, with my own eyes at the press box at, uh, at uh, FedEx Field in uh, suburban Washington, D.C., with that comeback against the Bucks, which was the, it was the beginning of the end, but it sealed the deal for Lovey's fate. Uh, this, this game scares me mainly because the Bucks are 2-3 and three in the month of November, and the Vikings have won 5 of 6. One team's arrow is pointing straight up. The other arrow, team's arrow, not, you can't say that. So I, I just don't like this confluence here of two teams seemingly on two different paths. Uh, and, and, and the way the Bucks' pass defense has not played, shall we say, uh, in the month of November, uh, it kind of scares me because just Jefferson's lighting people up. And, oh, by the way, there's this guy named Thielen on the other side of the line, too. Well, and the best running back in football in Dalvin Cook. So oh, yeah. I, I, underst- no. yeah. oh, go ahead, go ahead. I understand we do a good job against the run, but I would argue along the lines that you are against Steve to say that the Vikings very much have talent. Uh, Dalvin Cook's the best running back in football. Kirk Cousins, a slightly above average quarterback. He uh, keeps both teams in the game. Adam Thielen is very good. Rudolph is a savvy tight end. Uh, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson is a stud. Uh, you know, they've got plenty of talent in particular on offense. Now there are a few guys on defense and you point some, you know, pointed in that direction at linebacker. Uh, I agree, but on the whole, uh, I do worry about this Vikings offense going against a Bucks defense that has been inconsistent to put it kindly. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah, this is what scares me about the Vikings offense Bucks defense. Sure. They may be able to hold club. I mean, they may be able to, how shall we say, contain him. I'm a big Dalvin Cook guy. So, okay, you contain Dalvin Cook, but you've been giving up a lot of chunk, chunk plays, especially in the first quarter, against teams that can throw the ball. And, oh, by the way, as you pointed out, Jeff, the Vikings have been able to uh, you know, throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, the, here's the thing about this game. Another thing kind of scares me. I, I, I don't know if argues, I like to point out that Bucks fans suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. All the losing since they fired Chucky and all the ways they find a way to lose. Wouldn't this be a perfect way to lose the Vikings? I don't think they will. I'm not even remotely saying I hope so. That's, that's ridiculous. But in 19, excuse me, 2017, a lot of Bucks fans, and I'm sure you two guys included, a lot of Bucks fans were screaming for Dalvin Cook. To this day, last week, in fact, I got a phone call from a hardcore Bucks fan. They were screaming at me on the phone. We could have had Dalvin Cook. And wouldn't it be something if Dalvin Cook led the Vikings in the fourth quarter to a win over the Bucks that pushes the Bucks on the cusp of missing out on the playoffs? And here the guy is. The Bucks could have had him, sure. They drafted O.G. Howard, who, when he does play, 
he he is dangerous, but his problem is he can't stay healthy. Wouldn't that be hashtag it's a Bucks life if that would happen? That would, it's almost like the script is written. I could do this for Bucks fans though, and I'll I'll come swooping in here to try to help out. Yes, <laughs> our our worldview is that of Buccaneer fans, and thus we see everything through that prism of depression, as you note, and, and disappointment. But if you're a Vikings fan, you have a long history of inexplicably losing to the Bucks in big moments. The Vikings have been owned by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that includes their 15-1 season in which their only loss was to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers inexplicably. So you look at that Vikings team and you talk to Vikings fans, they'll point out the Bucs owned us all the way back to the Central. For no reason the Bucs would beat us many years in which we were five to seven games better than Tampa Bay. We couldn't beat the Bucs, and they're right. The Bucs own the Vikings. So here we do. We fast forward as history does. We take a look at back in the past and we say, how does it set up? Well, from a Bucks fan's perspective, it sets up to be a heartbreaking loss because of what could have been Dalvin Cook. For a Vikings fan, they're thinking the same exact thing. We're 6-6, six and six, we're back in the playoff picture, and here are the freaking Bucks. You know, it's a great point. The only time I can remember, actually only two games I can remember, where the Vikings got the Bucks was Randy Moss's first game as a rookie. And it was a season opener at Minnesota. He was pretty good. And if I recall correctly, the Bucks lost in overtime to the Vikings, and I believe that was the infamous Austin Austin Severian Jenkins Captain Morgan game. Ah, uh, okay, could be, could <laughs> could be. I forgot such a brief uh, time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and so much bad happened in such a short period of time for Austin Safarian Jenkins, including the infamous uh, the infamous pullover and camera and video capturing uh, an interesting conversation, to say the least. Yeah, well, my favorite on ASJ was, I'll never forget it, I was a witness to it. I mean, the actual incident I was not a witness to, but what I did witness was him getting thrown out of an underwear football practice. I've never seen that. Yeah, how's that even possible? Well, you knew there was a problem with Austin Safarian Jenkins when Jameis Winston publicly called him out, basically, within weeks of them signing him. I was like, okay, well, that's not good because, uh, no. you know, that's a weapon you could utilize given his talent, his skill set. That means that he didn't want to work. He wasn't going to be disciplined enough to get the job done. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, back to this game, it, it, to me it's sort of – I can see a shootout happening. Yeah. If the Bucks get their offense right, I can see a shootout happening. I'm not really confident on the Bucks stopping the Vikings. By the way, Kirk Cousins is pretty darn good against the Blitz. He's like uh, 16 of 26, if I remember right, against the Blitz. So he's pretty good against the Blitz. And what does Todd Bowles like to do? Oh, yeah, he likes the Blitz. So that might be playing right into the Vikings fans. I can see this being a shootout. I can see this being like a... 38-31, game. I could easily see that. Well, the, the Vikings have a top-five offense, and that's that's where yeah. we talk about the weapons. Uh, listen, he's good against the Blitz because he's got guys that in one-on-one situations win. So, I mean, that 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 helps. And, and the Bucks, you know, we, we've talked about this defense is fading. It's not playing its best football right now. At the same time, uh, in the favor of uh, Tampa Bay, certainly, is the fact that they're going up against, depending on what metric you want to look at, one of the bottom third defenses in the NFL. Uh, the, the Vikings give up a ton of points, and they give up a ton of plays in the passing game. The Bucks are coming off a bye, where presumably they fix some things. I'd like to believe this offense is going to hum on Sunday. I sure hope so. The key element with the offense will be the first quarter. First quarter offense for the Bucks in November was putrid. Yes, it was. They had one touchdown in five games in the first quarter. Uno. That's not good. 
the whole month of November, five games, one touchdown in the first quarter, they have, you know, to me, that's game plan. To me, that's as simple as with the talent you have to work with, it, that's game plan. You don't have a good game plan. So, and, and that goes on Todd Bowles, too. He got roasted against the Chiefs, got roasted against the Rams. I don't even want to bring up the Saints. Uh, they, they, both sides of the ball. They got to come up with better game plans to start the game. They really do. Yeah, it's weird. I, uh, some of it again, uh, and I'm very interested to see because the schedule sets up nicely for Tampa Bay right now. Very, very, very nicely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is that, look, man, you played the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs. Those are three of the best six teams in the NFL. So, uh, listen, you, if you plan to win a Super Bowl, you've got to be able to beat one of them. You've got to be able to play well. You've got to be able to move the ball against those teams. But it's also not unimaginable that you played poorly against three of the best teams in football. So, no, and two of those were three-point games. So yeah, it's not 20, like they got their doors blown out. Right, right, 27-24. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I mean, look, uh, at the end of the day, I have projected – I did this last week when we talked, Lee. I, I said basically I thought – and it starts with this game because this is the big one. I feel like if you mm-hmm. get this one, you're going to end the season uh, on a four-game win streak. And it, it, that's that's I I understand the counter to that is okay great Jeff you'll beat the Falcons the Lions and the Falcons again that makes you feel really good about yourself listen wins are wins confidence in the batter's box is confidence in the batter's box if you hit a home run off a pitcher with a nine ERA you still feel good the next time you come to the plate doesn't really matter why it's just that you do and if the Bucks win these games and they win these games one sidedly I imagine they're going to feel very good and very confident heading into the playoffs and that's the stated goal here fix your problems get confident play. Uh, uh, with vigor and belief. And, and let's see if that happens. I have a sense that it will. I know you're a little bit apprehensive. Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I, I've got PTSD. <laughs> 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 I, I expect the worst. I've been, I've been mentally brutalized by the, this team losing year after year after year, no matter who they sign, who they draft, who they hire as a head coach. It always seems to be the same. So uh, that's the only reason why I'm apprehensive and, and kind of uh, on tenuous feet, shall we say? I, I, uh, I'm, just, I, I'm just beaten to death by the losses. I don't know. I'm like a battered child. Let me ask you something, Lee. Um, what, anything revelatory this week? Anything come out this week that is interesting to you? Could pr- provide some insight for our listeners that uh, maybe they need to look at early in this game against the Vikings. Uh, anything that was said by the head coach, by Tom Brady, or anybody else for that matter? Well, the thing that really intrigued me, um, Aaron said Brady really was, you know, taking a deep look at himself, how he was playing. He basically said Brady was in the building, or not in the building, but he was working as much during the bye week as he was regular season, which is, you know, that's, that's kind of neat to know that he still has that passion, that drive to, to uh, better himself and better the team. So uh, that, that, that interests me. It also interests me that Aaron said that, uh, the way and Anton Winfield is practicing, that there's no signs that he hit a rookie wall. Now he started the season on fire. He's kind of cooled off since. Now I don't know if that's offenses that figured him out, which you know, that's a big element. Um, so that kind of interests me. Arian said that no, 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 there's no, there's no rookie wall yet for Winfield. And probably the biggest thing for me that interested me was. There was a huge feature on Shaq Barrett in the ESPN. It was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, he literally turned his career around. He was on the cusp of being out of football, and all of a sudden, within a year and a half, he's in the Pro Bowl. And he was talking about how he basically had to remake his game 
on the fly this year. And not in, he didn't insinuate. He came out and said it because teams were prepared for him. And he said in the NFL, if you have two moves as a pass rusher, you're dead meat. You might stick, stick around as a special teams guy. You'd probably be unemployed. So he said he had roughly eight to nine different moves entering this season. Well, with teams, you know, they, opposing coaches have all offseason to try to figure it out when you, you know, come, come out of nowhere like Shaq did. And he admitted that he's had to change and add to his moves and his repertoire in the middle of the season. And that kind of shows the last four games, he's had three sacks, five quarterback hits. So it seems like maybe he's starting to turn around the corner. Uh, he also has a, uh, 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 a sack force fumble as well. So it seems like he's starting to turn the corner. If he gets rolling, this is a different defense. Without question, it's been one of the bigger hangups of the season. And, and what's really forced Todd Bowles' hand is two things. Vita Via being first and foremost, him going down mm-hmm. uh, really devastated this defense. Uh, they don't get to push up the middle. Uh, and it also doesn't free up the guys on the edges uh, because they, they're free, obviously, not to have to double-team somebody on the interior. Uh, and, then, and then secondarily, I, I think not being able to get pressure on the passer has led to Bowles' confusion in the secondary. So, uh, you know, when you, when you can't get home, I don't care how good or talented or athletic your secondary is, any decent quarterback with time is going to find an open receiver. And I think the Bucks have fell, fallen victim to that. They just can't get pressure without trying to bring pressure uh, with with added blitzes, and then you expose yourself. Yeah, in one on one situations, not like our linebackers yeah. cover well, so that's difficult. Hey, Lee, it's always a pleasure, brother. Be well. Same here, guys. Have a good one. All Thanks right, again. take care. Uh, I, I listen. This is the big one. I, I don't know about the biggest game we've played at uh, Raymond James Stadium in however long, but I it is big because look, I think the Bucks could lose this game and still make the playoffs. In fact, I think they would, but. It's not about that, right? It's about priming yourself for a run and making a real go of it in the NFC, which is wide open. I mean, I get the Saints are the team that you would have to, and they've beaten the Bucks twice, and I really love them because of their defense. It's far less to do with their offensive weaponry, which they do have. But defensively, I like where the Saints are at. So they're the odds-on favorite. But it's not a situation where you think, oh, well, like look at Kansas City in the AFC. We all kind of look at Kansas City and go, I, I know what the Steelers' record is. I know what everybody else is doing. Kansas City's the team to beat. It's not even close. When you look at New Orleans, you're like, eh, imminently beatable. Not great. We could beat them. Yeah, that's the whole NFC, top to bottom. I mean, uh, the Rams are the same way because golf can look awful, and we'll see what you know tonight brings against the Patriots. Um, and he can look really, really good. Yeah, yeah, he and, can. Yeah. Uh, the Packers have Especially been in Enigma. The yeah. pack, I mean, we destroyed them when they came down to Tampa. Um, and obviously, they have their moments where Aaron Rodgers is just completely God mode, unbeatable. Uh, and then you look at the Saints. Well, sorry, you brought up the Saints. Uh, you look at the Seahawks, who are tied with the Rams for the division lead out in the West. Uh, the Cardinals, if they make it. This Vikings team. It's a wide open field. If you get your stuff together and by New get Year's. In, get into the dance and get it together. Right. This is a year about results. Now, you know, I would call this regular season a woeful disappointment. However, I'm judging the Bucks' success in a binary way. Mm-hmm. It's Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. That's what Tom Brady's about. So while this regular season is disappointing, you still have time on the clock to get your affairs in order before you get to the playoffs, and then you can go on a run potentially. 
Well, yeah, and I'm. It's funny. I would vote vote for this season as an incomplete right now. I, I if they win the remaining games and finish the season eleven and five and have a couple of those signature moments like the routing of aforementioned Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, uh, I would say that it's a fine regular season. Eleven and five playoff team finished second to the Saints, who are still really in their last vestiges of holding on to the NFC South. I'd I'd live with that. I'd live with that so long as you go on a deep playoff run. Yeah, you got to parlay it. Like I heard um, the podcaster in the bye week that the guys do here, Joe Buck's fan, and um, I forget who it was, but they said not too shabby if they finish ten and six. I I think that's no, that's a woeful disappointment. I mean, if ten and six allows you to solve some issues to parlay it into a deep run, as in going to the Super Bowl and maybe hopefully winning it. All right, then you can look back at it and say not too shabby because you use the regular season as a tool to get where you want to go. Fine, yeah. But on its face, when you get outclassed, I mean, listen, Andy Reid had a big hand in why that game was a three point game by the time the final gun at uh, zero. Yeah, but but we're gonna have this argument in in perpetuity. I think the Bucks have two losses to the Saints, a loss to the Chiefs. I mean, that that's three of your five losses. You, you you have not you have a loss to the Rams, who are also one of the best six teams in football. You have one bad loss. It's against the Bears by a point on a Thursday night. I don't like it. I mean, that's ugly. But you have one bad loss. Yeah, but wouldn't you say that round two against the Saints, you're outclassed. You're outclassed against the oh, Chiefs. Yeah, the Saints. The Saints games are, are are undressing. It's it's not it's not pretty. That the hope in that game was subsidized by Andy Reid. It wasn't anything the Bucks did or adjusted to in the second I, half. I agree, but even so, you're though, outclassed by. I mean, that's later in the season. If that was September, I, I hear you. And then you're trending in the right way, and you're getting better. They're getting worse. Yeah, so the, that's what this next month is about, right? I, let's see. Let's see if they're getting worse. Because I would tell you that I think the Vikings, and as pointed out by their last five games, are trending very much upwardly. If you handle them and you win this game, cover the spread, whatever. Uh, you win this game, I'm okay. Here we go. And then from there, take care of business against the downtrodden Falcons, Lions, and Falcons. By the way, and beating the Falcons won't be nothing. You should do it. And I expect that they would, but the Falcons are playing hard for Raheem Morris. Uh, so I, th- yeah. they're playing hard for him. Well, so you're going to have to show up. And two times in three weeks is tough. Unless in week 17, yeah. the Falcons just call it a day and they shut down they all the guys, well which they might. Yeah. But to beat a team twice in three weeks is tough, no matter what the circumstances are. But also, if we're not able to position ourselves any differently with that final game against them and we just right. decide to roll out second teamers, who cares? Right. Well, see, okay. So, but I, I think the t- two trends, and, and this is the broken record of two weeks. This is what happens with the bye week. You say the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. But you're trending the wrong way defensively. Yes, you, you are. are helpless against the Rams. You're helpless against the Saints, and you're helpless against the Chiefs. Right. I mean, you'd say that on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very disappointed. I, we agree there. I am very disappointed with what's happened on the on, on the defensive side of the ball. And then you start like a bunch of a holes. In all those games. <laughs> you do. That's true. You that's do. that's yeah. the problem. That's yeah. a big chunk yeah. of, of the game. Yeah. Well, they'll probably start on fire this oh, week. Oh, they're 21 in the first quarter. You never know, buddy. Here you go. <laughs> Coming off that bye week, well-rested. They've gleaned some insight to who they are. They've looked in the mirror. Go back, wrap it up. Scuttlebucks. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang.
let me reiterate, Bill Curry Ford, General Manager Sean Sullivan, incredibly serious when it comes to his love for you, the Buccaneer fan. He's going to help you personally seven days a week. Give him a call, email him, or visit Sean inside the beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom. It's just one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. When you're there, ask for your Scuttlebucks slash Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean Sullivan will do everything he can to help you while you're at Bill Curry Ford. That's the family service you can expect from Bill Curry Ford, and they've been honored by Ford headquarters many times for their exemplary care of customers. That's Tampa's first family of Ford for the past 60 years. Get shopping today at BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. Do you feel good about it? Feel good? Not about Bill Curry Ford. We always feel good about them, but uh, about the game against the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Your boy will be there. With, uh, with my youngest son, Clark is really excited about it. He's talked about it all week long. I told him it's a big game. It's a significant game. He's excited to see Dalvin Cook as well. So, yeah, here we go. Um, I don't know how I feel about this game. <laughs> I feel better that you're going. You usually bring home a win. I do. It's weird. The only time uh, you've been to a Bucks game recently and you didn't bring home a win, I was there. It was when RG3 and Washington That's came right. to town. Was that was that game, back yeah. in 2012. Um, that's the we were game there where the, I ran into him in the uh, in the elevator. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was um, Florida State USF played that weekend down in. in that's uh, right. We Saturday. went down there and broadcast. That's right. So now that I'm not going and you are, mm. I feel better about it. Um, but the first quarter, I think Lee is exactly right about yeah. that. Yeah. If if the Bucks offense looks like garbage again to start the game, first of all, that building is going to turn against them. People are going to go. Oh, the groaning. I know it's a limited attendance, but the you can feel that. Oh, yeah. There's a weight on the field. And the Vikings of late, even against the the, uh, the Jags, have come from behind. They've laid eggs early, and then they come on in the second half. So if the Vikings can play from in front, that's dangerous. Usually they have to make the adjustments to be in the game. Um, both teams would be in uncomfortable situations if they get behind early. Uh, but the Vikings are at least used to it. Uh, the Bucks got to do a little bit better. I mean, whatever the game plan is, whatever the relationship between Brady, Leftwich, and Arians, I don't care at this point. I think I said it last week on the Scuttle Bucks. Somebody sucks. They all suck. I don't care who does, but the result sucks. So we've got to clean that up. Yeah, I, I would imagine that this will be a cleaner game for the Bucks offense. Uh, they're 27th in the league in rushing. You know, you, you go back and look at Tampa Bay and, and their lack of commitment to a run game. Some of it has to do of getting down early in games and then just absolutely uh, forsaking the run game altogether. But also there's a mentality to teams that want to run the ball. And it's usually unshakable. It makes them very frustrating. Um, I've, I've always thought when I watch the Titans play or I watch this version of the Cleveland Browns play, and I think, you know, What's upsetting to a defense is that your thwarting a drive or two early in a game makes no difference to them. They Vrabel and those guys, they're going to stick with the run game. They're going to run the ball. That's their identity. Now, they may lose the game because of it, but they know that's who they are. And there's some, there's a threat there when you know who you are and you're and you stand with conviction. The Bucks have not been able to identify who they are and what they want to be. Uh, for, say, two, three weeks in a row, right? It, it, they, sometimes you get a glimpse, you're like, okay, this is who they are today, and I like this version, they should stick to this, but they're not that the next time you see them play. I, I, you know, I really hope that they have figured out during the bye week here, scouring film, looking at what's worked best from a personnel standpoint. I would love for the Bucks to just come right out, double tights, 
you're going to have to reveal what you're doing defensively. We're going to run the ball. We're going to throw off a play action. I've got myriad weapons. This is who we are. Yeah, and this is where, listen, the course has already been corrected in the boat. It, it's There's no use in arguing about it. We've been there. Uh, Bruce and Byron decided to run their offense, not the Patriots' offense, and I think that was stupid. I do, too. Uh, Brady wanted Antonio Brown. I think that's stupid. I do, too. And then the, both of them are conspiring to be 30th in the league in play-action usage, which is Brady's number one strength. That is stupid. Let's stop being dumb and get the things together on offense. Whatever the streamline of communication needs yeah, to be, figure that out. I would hope that they figured it out in the last 10 days. I would also say that in, to that end, I, I believe wholeheartedly that Tom Brady is about one thing. Well, on the field, he's about one thing, and that's winning football games. He knows ultimately that the only thing left for him is to add to legacy. There is nothing more he can do. He's already solidified as the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. He's won six Super Bowls. He's been to nine. He, what, what are you going to say about Tom Brady that hasn't already been said? So this... This, to me, this this bye week and this soul-searching and this commitment to film study, that's not surprising at all. That's who the hell the guy has been as a competitor forever. My thought is that coming out of that, I hope we see a more assertive Tom Brady because he's got control, ultimately, of how this plays out. If he wants to say to Bruce Arians, you can go to hell. You didn't bring me here so I could struggle with a new offense and watch us lose games, and I don't have much time left. We're not doing this, this, and this. We're going to do this, this, and this and be done with it. I, I would like to believe he could do that. Bruce will tell you that he already has uh, and that he has that input week to week. He would tell you that, and that may be the truth. I'll concede that's possible, in which case the folly of Tom Brady's ego is what's costing us. Right. Perhaps. There are things conspiring to have the Bucks' offense where it is, and it's all of the above. It's just a matter of where the percentages are. Yeah. yeah. The one nuance that, that I'd explore if I could ask Bruce that question is, all right, you're saying that Brady can say no to the plays just like Jameis could, just like every quarterback. It's like, here's 50 plays. Yeah. We're throwing out 20 because I don't like these 20. That's what the court. He says that Brady even has more input on the on the making and, and the creating of those fifty plays before throwing them out. So basically, Brady is calling the plays and the amount of yeah, play action he wants and to run else, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But the nuance I'd like to know is the sequencing. Is that Byron? Yeah, who's yeah. sequencing the play calls? Because Brady may choose the plays with which you can, you can call, call right. from, or or the pool that you can call. from. All game plans are constructed that way. I know you know that. Uh, the week that you install for an opponent, the game plan is we run this against this look, this down and distance, this time, this score, those kinds of things. Third and short, third and long. There are 10 plays, 20 plays you can choose from the list we've agreed upon. Who's calling those plays in those situations? The yes. sequencing, yes. And in what sequence? Because they're out of time. You know, And I don't mean the regular season. The Buccaneers as a team have time. I mean they're out of rhythm. I mean, you've got a band with four instruments, and they're all playing in different times. The oddity, too, Tom, is that uh, it, it would almost seem counterproductive but i i really think you've got to come out guns a blazing and throw the football on first down you've got one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game off of play action yes but we know that it's advantageous for all quarterbacks regardless of stature to throw on first down we all too often fall into this trap of trying to run because i think byron's saying oh we're going to establish the run today i'm going to be hell-bent on establishing the run you can still do it and throw on first down sure sure and then you could check into it if, if the numbers are good on first of down and, and leave that to brady it's just i think it's everything 
it's everything that everybody's mentioned is a little bit of the truth. It's Tony Romo saying that it's a post-read offense, not a pre-snap offense, right? And Brady isn't comfortable with that. He missed stuff before this was a problem, before the national media jumped on it. He was missing the backside of throws. Decisions he was making, I mean, there's a throw, throw to Gronk in the end zone against the Packers. Beautiful play. That was Gronk's like real coming out party for right. the national media. But the backside of that play, there's two or three options that are wide open. There are other throws that are just the same. Brady doesn't see the whole field yet, so he's not comfortable. That's why in crunch time, especially against the Chiefs, you saw he's like, screw this. I don't know what I'm looking at. Gronk, run a fly. He pretty much said it before the snap in one instance against the Chiefs. Yeah. Gronk. No, 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 no. Gronk's like, okay. Yeah, I got Brady's it. Like, yeah. The hell with everything else. Yeah. I'm going this to where I know. With, yeah. That's the problem. It's just, it's a little bit of everything. Really quick as we sign off, uh, Levante David, Jamel Dean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Steve McClendon, Jason Pierre-Paul, Donovan Smith, limited participation or did not participate this week in practice. Uh, remember this about injury reports. Uh, they're a little misleading sometimes. But I, I do have uh, real enthusiasm for Chris Godwin getting the pins out of his finger. Uh, he's got to be feeling better than he has all season long finally. Mike Evans, this is going to be a limited thing with him for the entirety of the season because of that hamstring. They can't afford to get it injured. He knows what he's doing. All right, go out there and play. Uh, but, you know, you don't like to see uh, – Levante David did not play, and it was not injury-related. Uh, could be a Veterans Day. It, it could be. I, yeah. it, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Just something to look at. Uh, again, these are big names. These are guys you need to play. Limited participation for Jason Pierre-Paul. That's just about his knee. He'll be all right. Like, Indomitian has uh, not injury-related days off all the time. Well, he so should. it could very well be that, something yeah. like that. Yeah, if you're old, you don't need to be out there busting your ass. So you know what you're doing. You just give it to me on Sundays. Uh, get, get all in there. Uh, but I say that to say this. The Vikings injury report, far less disconcerting. Virtually nobody of note is on that thing. They're feeling good about themselves. They're healthy, and they're playing well. That first quarter, it's funny we bring it up. I think all three of us agree completely that you got to establish things now early in this game. Uh, start to feel good about yourself and, and get out exactly. there and execute. You Just know? so you can exhale. Yeah, a little bit like, okay, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. At the end of the day, Tom doesn't have a prediction. I think the Bucks win. I do think it's a, uh, a shootout. I agree. I think it's a high-scoring game. So here we go. Let's watch for both teams to score, what, over 24 points? I think so. I think so, too. Um, you know, it'll come down to details and, and Brady not missing wide open guys or turning the ball over, and then the defense not looking like a sieve down the field. I'll have to knock on wood, but it's nice to go into a game that you think is high scoring and close with a kicker you believe in. I haven't done that in Tampa Bay in a long time. And the Vikings should not feel good about Bailey. That is correct. My God, yes. Shankopotamus every once yeah, in a while. It's a beautiful thing. Say it. Speak it into the bean. It's out there in the ether. He's got the shanks. It's <laughs> Good work out of you, sir. Our thanks to Lita Kemper. Uh, my thanks to all of you as well. Go Bucks. We'll talk to you next time.